Welcome to episode seven of Rocketeer's Side Hustles and Startups. In this episode, we meet Harmy Baines, who is a trained and registered financial advisor. Harmy talks us through his journey and what inspired him to explore the sector as a career option and how he got started in the exciting world of finance and investment. Such an interesting tale and definitely not one to be missed. So, hi Harmy, it's great to meet you today and thank you very much for agreeing to come on to the, the, the podcast. So, you had a little bit of uh, trouble with the traffic. Yeah, as always, whenever I'm driving around. That's uh, that's M6 for you, isn't it? Yeah, it's always about coming in from Birmingham. So, But anyway, it's really fantastic to have you here and I, I just want to thank you for agreeing to come and join us and to chat about business and finance and some of the exciting things that are going on yeah. in the world of Web 3.0. But before we get into that, that world of uh, excitement around NFTs and blockchain and the metaverse, before we touch on that, would you please tell everyone a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do? Yeah. Uh, that would be really helpful. Yeah, it's always a weird question saying who you are because no one really knows who they are, do they really? Uh, but in the nutshell, the sort of normal way of doing it would be uh, two kids, married, uh, two girls, I'm a charter financial advisor at Radiant Financial Planning. Um, and you know, what kind of what that all entails, seeing clients every single day, speaking to new people all the time, which is really what something I really enjoy. Um, and yeah, just um, trying to make my way up the ladder in the business and sort of help as many people as I can. That's great, thanks. And um, so you say you're a chartered financial advisor. So what does that mean? What do you specialise in? How do you help people? Yeah, so m- my specialism, I would probably would say, is investments because my background is from an investment management background. Um, but generally, we're, financial advisors kind of like you would look, look at us like a GP slash surgeon because we sort of speak to people in general terms initially about their finances. And that's anything and everything. That doesn't just say oh, got, someone's got money in the bank. It's anything. It could be if someone's got debt, how do they get out of that sort of situation? How do they turn that into a situation where they then got wealth to accumulate? If someone needs to insure their income, how can they insure their income in life and in death? How can they provide life insurance for themselves? How do they help their grandkids, their kids? So it is pretty much whatever you can think of when it comes to personal finances. That's where we sit, and on top of that, then also business owners. How do they then exit their business? How can they then extract profits with maximum efficiency within the guidelines and rules set by the government and HMRC? Um, so it's quite a wide role. Um, and then the surgeon part of that is once we've discovered everything, it's then drilling down into okay, well, what's the main priorities, and then what products and services out there can we find for the client to basically meet the needs, short, medium, and long term. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my job, just sort of rolled into one. Yeah, great. That's interesting. Thank, thanks for sharing that. How did you get into it? What got you interested in the idea of being a chartered financial advisor? Um, so when I was in investment management, which is what I did before I was a financial advisor, which is basically where I would sit and manage investments and money on behalf of a business. So, I would, so for instance, when Brexit, when the Brexit vote happened... Um, I was, you know, selling and buying shares on behalf of clients. So I wasn't client facing. I was doing the, you know, the the, the bit in the background of that. Um, but I wanted to be more client facing. 
So whenever I spoke to a client, whenever they did call in to say, we want to do this, that and the other, I enjoyed that part. Um, so I thought, well, actually, I'd rather, I want to pursue that as a career. But, you know, I didn't know whether I could do it. So I had to then, my first role was really just kind of in the deep end, 13, 14 client meetings a week, just effectively doing the selling part. You know, could I actually go to, could I, could I speak to a client and distill down what we had figured out about them, what their objectives were long-term, and could I distill that down into a investment solution for them that they would then say, yeah, I can see where that, how that helps me. Because ultimately without, without someone understanding the value that it puts for them, they're not going to do anything with me because anything that we do, and I say this to all my clients, most of them, they can do themselves. There's nothing that I do for someone that they can't go out and do themselves. But the difference that we make is experience, ability to quickly pick off what exactly the client needs and because of speaking to other clients in the past that are similar to them um, and also the list normally when you come up when you speak to someone and they're speaking to a financial advisor it's because what they're talking about isn't on their top top priority list so most people have it you know family work and then passions and then you know general life and the stuff that we, we talk about isn't usually top of the list so when I speak to them I say well look what you're paying for because you can do it all yourself. What you're really paying for here is taking it from number 10 on your list to number two on mine. Because my priority is the same as yours, family and work. But my work is your pension or your investment or your invest or your um, insurance policy or your business. So I then, so you're basically paying to go from 10 to two. And um, you know, when people understand that, and they, when they understand that, they understand the value. Mm. Um, and that's kind of, as a financial advisor, what you need to um, create for a client, value and solutions. That's great. I mean, there's a lot there, isn't there then? So uh, how long did it take you to get trained? So you said you got the investment yeah. management. Is that yeah, what I've said that right? Yeah, so you did that first. Yeah. How long were you doing that? And then how long did it take yeah. you to train as a financial advisor? Uh, time seems to pass so quickly that I can't remember how long I've been in the industry. But I left the university when I was 21. Now I'm 30, nearly 35. So I've been a financial advisor for six years. So I was five or six years as an investment manager. And I did pretty much all my qualifications as a investment manager so kind of got to a fairly decent level of qualification and then just picked up the gap fill stuff to be a financial advisor there's things I just didn't I had to do while I was here to then become chartered effectively because I wasn't you can't just be chartered just by doing sort of the investment management exam you need to do a bit more than that um, so yes yeah, probably the last exam I did was probably two years ago so probably 10 years of just sort of qualifications here and there mm. um, so it took a while and to be fair if I knew that after university I would have probably been better prepared I just thought after university you just get your degree and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I found out there's professional qualifications afterwards that are, and I was just like right okay there's so many of them that you, which route do you take and I'm, I'm glad I took the route I've taken the investment route I'm glad because most people the biggest worry is their investments falling to zero and if you can help, help clients understand that that's so unlikely and if that happened, the last thing you'd worry about would be your pension or your investments because if everything fell to zero, that means the world's gone upside down. Mm. So money would be worthless anyway, so it wouldn't matter what's in your pension. You have a million pounds in there, but it wouldn't be worth anything because it's not. there's no companies to buy because everything's so diversified. There. Whatever you think of, you've got investments in if you've got a pension. Mm. That's, that's how it works. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks. That, that's really interesting. It's, it's, it's a world that um, I've never really... 
delved into and understood. So uh, thank thank you for sharing that. What got you into it then? So what what was it that that got you into the investment and finance? What what can you remember? What it was that <laughs> yeah. sparked your interest? Okay, yeah. My um, when I was about twelve, it's a lot. It's very far very far back. When I was twelve, my um, auntie got married to. And this would be quite embarrassing for him if he listens to this. But my auntie got married to, <laughs> um, uh, well, my uncle now, and um, he worked at an accountancy firm. And when he came to the house, when we first saw him, he came in a BMW M3. Okay. And it was like back then, it was like <clears throat> the newest M3 model. I was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, what does he do? What does he do? <laughs> Just for any car vision, I was an E36, so it was you know a proper one. And I remember what I said. What? Well, I asked him, what do you do? And he said he's an accountant. PwC, which is a very big accounting firm, mm. which now, by the way, is you know probably one as high up as you can get in the business. So he's you know doing really really well and you know done really well, but through a lot of hard work. So that sort of sparked my interest into being an accountant, and that was all I wanted to do. So from that age to leaving uni, it was just I want to be an accountant. Mm. Then I became an accountant after I left uni, got a training contract, and I hated it. <laughs> I just found because because while I was at university, I did a lot of foreign exchange trading. Okay, so where I did foreign exchanges, so it's kind of like NFTs, but where I was trading the exchanges. Um, and because I did a lot of that and when I became an accountant it was quite it was a bit not boring because obviously that's disrespect to, disrespect to accountants but it was just I just thought this is the, this will be the same every day and I want something a bit more dynamic mm. I, I, you know, I don't I don't want to wait for an account, accounting standard to, to change for me to have a different day I want it to be different every day mm. and so after about four weeks I just that's it quit and this is middle of the, the 2008 recession so my parents were just going like, "What are you doing? How we finally got you off our books? Finally, you're now finally off our books, and you just quit." I four said, weeks in. Four weeks in. I said, "Mom, yeah, yeah. I need. I, I'm. I'm going to finance. This is obviously, you know, on the back of investment banks around the world collapsing, and being looked upon quite, you know, badly because of the practices that they um, sort of took up when the housing market in the US crashed." Um, but I got um, in touch with Deutsche Bank, and then that was it from there. Which mm. is kind of. I, I genuinely can say that I say it all. I say it all the time. I love my job, um, and that's great, isn't it? I mean, yeah. because that that for me really is one of the things that I like to explore with people is just to see how happy they are. And we've had some really interesting people on this on this podcast mm-hmm. who come from very different backgrounds and do very different things, and it's really interesting to find out that you know how happy people are. Yeah. So it's interesting that you've brought that up quite quick. Oh, as a quick question: What what car is your uncle driving now? He's got. He's got two or three actually. He's got a Rolls Royce Ghost and a Lamborghini Aventador S. Yeah. VJ. I'll say the full name because it. Put some, respect some people on. listening, they're going to be some interested. In well, it. If he doesn't see, he'll be like, "Yeah, you can say the right one." <laughs> and then he's he's got an M2 as well. And he's got a Range Rover. Yeah, but he's just you know likes his cars. Likes yeah, really likes his cars. But like I said, damn short hardware. All that you know, all those things. Mm. The fact that he drives a nice car, has a nice watch, has a really nice house and stuff. What you don't see is the 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 length of time he's travelling for mm. his job. Mm. It's always probably probably maybe post pandemic might have changed, but pre pandemic it was just like it was never in. He was always in London or in another country. Mm. So the sacrifices he's had to make to get to that level. Yeah. Um, and I think it depends on if you look at that and you think, oh, he's got nice cars, and you get jealous, or you look at him and think, that's what it takes. Mm. When I look yeah. at it, I think, all right, that is what it takes, and. When cousins of mine, they was you know they come out of university and first thing I say to them is look, be first in or last out, hmm. be there before your boss, leave after your boss, and then when you can, when you get to a level that you are kind of more senior, you can then be the person that leaves leaves a bit earlier, 
blues a bit later. That's a re- I've, got, I've got. I hope you don't mind me jumping in there because I just think that is so fantastic to hear you talk about work ethic mm. because I think that um, it can be very easy with the way our lives are led and lived on social media mm. to see these things that people are showing and portraying yeah. and and not see the hard work that goes behind it. And I, yeah, I, exactly, yeah. it's really good for you to to make that point. Really, is yeah. the fact that. Um, to achieve something of significance takes yeah. takes sacrifice. Yeah, so. and, and I think it also so, some people have natural work ethic. Mm. I, I, I'm definitely not the person. I, I gen, genuinely, honestly, do not have natural work ethic. My work ethic has to be. I have to try hard. So how so how do you do? Ethic. How have you made yourself have a work ethic? I think it's an what inner do you do? motivation to just because I really want to do well. Yeah, I, you know, and it's not monetary. Um, it's just when I do something, I want to do. I just want to be good at it. Mm. It's not. It's just. Something that inside when you do it. anything, you want to be yeah. When I do anything, I want to be good at it. I mean, there's some things mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, some things I'm to relax into, like playing golf. I don't really care about being the best at golf, but then there is also the in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, you know, yeah, I do want to be a scratch golfer, even though I know it's never. I have not got. I have not. That's, that's one sport I have not got any natural affinity towards in terms of. I've got no natural talent in golf. Literally haven't. Well, but, you say that, but well, last time we spoke, t- tell everyone what your handicap is. Don't be ashamed because I think it's well, really good. Why? Well, Why well, it was. Was twenty, twenty eighteen, eighteen actually, eighteen or twenty before the pandemic. Yeah, and I haven't played for so long. I haven't played so yet. Eighteen, twenty, mate. That is a really, really cool handicap. Yeah, so but it's not. Yeah, but it's not. You know, it, it should be better. It should yeah. be better. If, if if I was as good at foot, golf as I am at football, I should be. I should be a scratch. But I haven't. I mean, I can't hit the ball very far. I'm good at my short game, but yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I said, like I said before, I think work ethic. Some people probably sit there and think, oh yeah, but if you can, if you just wake up in the morning, and think I'm ready to go. There are days I wake up in the morning and do not think I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. But that's when I have a job like I've got, which is a bit more flexible. There are what happens with me is there's day, there's times of the day where I'm just all go. Mm. It's not always the same time of the day. Mm. So if I was working nine to five, that's when I think I think I, at this age, knowing myself now, whereas before I would just you know. Before I was when I was an investment manager, it was it was a nine to five office job. I have to I'd wake up at five o'clock in the morning just to have three hour run out getting set for the day. Hmm. So I'd watch some TV, but I'd be like you know doing some practice trading, and just so I'm ready for it. Whereas now I can just sort of wake up and think, okay, look, give myself a half an hour, then I'm ready to go. And I, or or I just went or it'd be like eleven o'clock at night, come back from football, I'm wired, and I have to work till three o'clock in the morning. Hmm. But I prefer that. I prefer being in that kind of dynamic, set, dynamic setting and dynamic mindset, than being someone who wakes up every day. Because then I'll be looking forward to the weekend, and there are weeks I don't look forward to the weekend. There are weeks I'm like, that's just, that's just kill my buzz mm. for the week. Mm. Um, then I have to start up again on Monday. Mm. So yeah, but like I say, just be honest. Yeah, it's, it's easy. It's easy for people to say, yeah, I'm just I work so hard because it's natural. It's not natural for me. It's a okay. Get in. Get get your head in gear look in the mirror again for you to just share that earlier on in your career you were getting up at five o'clock mm. to get your head round being Remember ready that. for being in the office at nine yeah. again I, I so appreciate you saying that because yeah. I think again it's important for people who are watching or listening to understand that application and dedication that you recognize for you to achieve yeah. your goals that you want to in life takes some sacrifice yeah. and commitment so but that's yeah. that's great I didn't do anything else to be fair <laughs> to be fair I wasn't the kind of person that goes out but I wasn't the going out type for me it's cars are my kind of like thing mm. so um, you were prepared to work for those I was, I was prepared to work but I was also prepared 
I mean, in the winter, because it's dark at night, I used to leave and I used to leave hot. Cause I, I didn't used to go to work at nine o'clock, I used to go to work at about half seven. Um, so half seven, yeah, half seven. So it'd be dark in the morning, so I had to get those blue lights, like you know, we got kind of over here, the ones that simulate sunlight. Yes. I was single, yeah. so all I had to do was like, how do I get up in the morning? Right. Turn this on at a timer so the, the room is bright. And you know, my room was glowing every morning and every night, just because I was like, I need that. You know, can you know, get that? Yeah, so that's. This, the thing you get in the winter where you get a bit kind of oh yes it's music. like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I do I, I suffer from that a little bit so I again recognised and thought okay how do I fix it mm. so I bought this thing that just simulated the sunlight so it's yeah. like, okay sitting there sit, sit in front of it for half an hour and your head kind of wakes up and bang might work straight onto it yeah that's so perfect. so if, if it's okay then let's uh, let's get into um your interest now then in the web 3 space now mm. for those that are maybe new to this uh, the Web3 space for me kind of encapsulates mm. uh, the development of blockchain technology and the fact that cryptocurrency has been yeah. working on the, on the top of that technology. Yeah. That's become obviously much more um, accepted in society and in the world in general. Yeah. And that's led to people developing um, ideas around NFTs. Mm. And again, if you've not heard these non-fungible tokens, yeah. where in essence what you've got is you've got a... Um, a representation of by using a digital image called a PFP yeah. that can actually represent um, and can have benefits and utilities connected to other yeah. aspects of yeah. what that NFT can be um, and you can use the blockchain technology to support that and that can then lead into um, information around the metaverse so I only got into this and heard about this about four months ago now, mm. um, and I just find it so fascinating. But again, there is so much information yeah. around it. Yeah. How did you get into this space, and what was it that got you you interested? Well, I, I've, like Bitcoin was the first kind of thing I heard about, and I must admit I'm probably a very late adopter because I heard about Bitcoin in I think its first mainstream mention was in American Pie. One of the films so i heard about it then didn't do anything about it and then one of my uh, cousins harry he was saying oh you know i've invested in this and i was like look and i, I think i was the same as anyone else just like an old funny video i was like look it's deregulated blah 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 blah. it's all for dodgy money i didn't i should i should have i should have put some more money into it but i didn't just didn't because i thought no i'm not going to do that and i think he bought in very early very early and made a decent amount of money yeah um and then it's only really very recently where i kind of got into investing in crypto and the reason I started investing in crypto it's in itself was because I didn't really understand the blockchain at that point but it was more because uh, I always like things which have got demand and supply attached to it because of my job and a lot of my clients were then asking oh, what's this crypto thing and I thought well, I don't really know enough about this so you felt you needed to yeah, understand the industry yeah, at exactly. least to be able yeah, to talk exactly. to clients so at least I can talk to my clients and say look this is what it is it's not anything that's different to what you've already got really it's a dereg it's deregulated but actually the people the, the things that move crypto world um <clears throat> are the same as the things that move any other world well we've seen that haven't we in the um, what's been going on in the world recently where yeah. it has been impacting cryptocurrency values yeah i think it's become volatile. more aligned now like bitcoin's so big that what does i think what's happening with the bigger coins is that the people that hold the bigger coins are holding them not for speculation they're holding for investment purposes hmm. and then when you look at so when people look at the FTSE 100 for instance and then when there's a, when there's a problem in the news you see the FTSE 100 fall which is the index the UK index 
and the people that hold big the reason why the reason for that is because people that hold stocks and shares usually sell their stocks and shares to go into safer assets so when they've got bitcoin they do the same thing with bitcoin they they consolidate their profit profits and move into more safe assets so that's why it's becoming a bit more aligned with you know the, the things happening in the markets but mm. but it's still i mean so it's really interesting what nfts i think they're the things that you know you don't want to miss out on adopting nfts because as a space it's a logical space it's a very it's very logical how it works why, why is it logical to you then would you, well, would because, you share, share well because thoughts back, so if, if, if i take what i what i do for a living so stocks and shares back in the day you'd hold a certificate and that certificate would mean that you hold you held the share so it's a bearer it's like cash if you hold the cash in your hands yours then they change to an electronic thing where someone logs it for you and it's electronic so now you don't hold it you don't have the share certificate in your house so if someone robs you you don't get you don't lose them it's on an electronic thing so if you sell your shares electronically let's try to convert it if you put that into crypto if you're a if, if you're a business and you want to raise and let's say i'm a business and i want to raise capital if the contracts would allow and regulation would allow maybe it'll sort of move forward you could just sell your certificates as a crypto as a nft you could just sell it one two three certificate so rather than listing on the stock exchange you could now be a deregulated business that sells your shares on the exchange um so it's just logical that that is where we go you know everyone's going online everyone's gaming online um so it makes sense that when you go when you're in a unit when you're playing fifa and you play ultimate card you open up one of the packs now you can just buy an nft and open the packs mm, if yes if you're uh, foot, if, if you're panini and you have the football you know the, the where you put the stickers in the book well, you just sell them as an NFT. NFT. I've seen that with NBA Top Shot top shot, yeah. top and NFL. Uh, is it Moments NFL? Yeah. And they're starting to do the same thing, aren't they? Where they're releasing video yeah, clips. Yeah, you own it. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, they're releasing collections, and they've got different rarity values, so some are more valuable yeah. than others. And, and that's, I think, that's that's the world in where it's going to be. Re- it's going to kick off. Big is that type of thing where it's, it's a collectible type thing, but also the general um, ownership. Obviously, you know. People always think, oh, I can just copy and paste it. My, my answer to that is, that's great. But then why do people go and see the Mona Lisa? Because you could just Google the Mona Lisa, right-click, copy it, paste it. It's not yours. It's the same thing. The owner is the Louvre, or whoever owns it and gives it to the Louvre. You go there and view it because you want to see the original. If someone owns an NFT that's the original and it's somewhere, people probably go and see it because of the fact that it's so valuable, you just want to see it with your own eyes to say, well, yeah. Well, look at Beeple, who was the yeah. the, the guy that um, started creating digital images. I think it was about 14 and a half years ago. And every day he created one image and they were all put together in one, uh, is, is collage the word? Yeah. One yeah, yeah. image altogether. Yeah. And that's, Christie sold that for $69 million because one investor, one person yeah. felt like, I want to own yeah, that. that representation of where yeah. digital and design has come over the years. Yeah. Quite a historical piece, I think, maybe supports your point there. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. I think it's like anything. When VHS came out and when CDs came out, when MP3s came out, there's always people that were probably, there's people that would just think, no, I'm not. It's it's a fad. It's not going to last. And then it does. Hmm. It's whatever sticks. You know, cryptocurrency, will it stick? Yeah, it can do in the right environment but right now there's no real value to it barring speculative value it's not that's not a current you know having a bitcoin doesn't really give you anything other than speculative speculative investment mm. Mm. it's not you can't go to new york and spend a bitcoin because there's no, there's no way of doing it 
there's no way of going to it doing like store and saying I'm going to sell you know here's my wallet where's your wallet and I'm going to transfer it to you look at the blockchain give me a receipt that's not yet how it works mm. NFTs are completely different because you're using that's where crypto then can come in because you're using currencies which are not normal you know they're sort of out of the ordinary currencies which are cryptocurrencies to purchase something that you can own mm. you can show someone you own it mm. like buying a house if you bought a house and the deed the, the land registry was an NFT because you have a wallet you can tell you own it you can show yeah and actually you've just made the point again for those watching and listening mm. the way you can show what you do own what you've bought yeah. sold traded is on a, a digital wallet yeah. where you can actually have got this record yeah of um, of your trading so yeah. yeah it's a fascinating space and um i think i think just to add to what you've said there i think it's the technology that underpins it isn't it it's yeah. a bit like when we had the boom and bust when the internet first started yeah. and a lot of people looked at some of the early businesses and said i don't see the business model in it i don't see where the revenue is yeah, yeah. so therefore i'm going to take my money out yeah and uh, so a lot of the investors and the traders especially over in america pulled all their money out yeah the industry collapsed and everyone thought that was the end of it but no because the technology was correct the timing was right and then up grew these big giants and everyone started to realize over time that oh you know actually the technology is sound it's about the evolution of the business model and the opportunities and that's probably what's happening now isn't it it's that some nft projects are not succeeding yeah some are um, and there is talk that many are going to collapse and fail. Yeah. And I think that's part of this evolution again around people starting to understand how the NFT space works. Because once they can recognize where the value and benefit is for them, yeah. then there's going to be more people starting to come yeah. up with different ideas. I think it's similar to like, if you think about a brand, like you look at like Bored Apes or something. It, all, all that has to turn into is something which people follow and want to be part of the club and I think that's kind of the tribal nature of being human anyways becoming part of a tribe and yeah we all want to belong yeah, to something yeah. so I think that's the same with like when you buy a phone you're either Apple or Samsung you're not both like I don't think I've ever met anyone who said yeah I've got both you're either one or the other I'm Apple I tried Samsung but just didn't like it so I'm, I'm Apple same as when you if you were if NFTs some of them were just like a members club like Nike will probably release things that are only available to someone who also holds a specific NFT. That then gives value to that specific NFT in terms of pr- a price. The danger is making sure it doesn't outprice them. Average Joe who can't afford a you know four hundred thousand pound NFT. Um, but you know even Disney they've got collectibles and people you know people love buying Star Wars memorabilia and Marvel comics and you've got um what's it called Vive. They drop on Vive and you can buy a, the sort of front page of the first Spider-Man comic and they sell for how many gems mm. you can't even convert the gems into anything right now but they're just people have got probably millions and millions of gems that they just sit on waiting for that moment where they can switch them into Ethereum or Cardano or whatever they're going to switch them into and then make a shed load of it and for those listening that aren't yet into this space Harmi was just then talking about some of the different cryptocurrencies because mm. there are a number of cryptocurrencies that operate on operate on different blockchains aren't yeah. so yeah well, look, it's been absolutely fascinating to, to chat this through with you. And I just want to thank you very much for, um, as I say, taking the time to come and uh, yeah, record this podcast with us. And um, I know that you're interested in uh, your own NFT project. And yeah. I know that's something that, that actually we're talking about. Yeah. We won't talk about that now because <laughs> yeah. what we could maybe do is if you're 
up for it, yeah. come back in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, if and when it launches, it'd be nice for us to maybe share what's been happening with that space and yeah. maybe what we've found that worked, yeah. the challenges we've had. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be great to come back and yeah, maybe really share good. that with everybody. Thank you very much, so. yeah. um, one thing I'd like to do just before we finish is um, I've had a few people who've been listening and watching our podcasts and they said it would be really cool if we could maybe start asking particular types of questions at the end. Now, they didn't say what kinds of questions would be good, okay. but they thought it would be cool to ask a question of the guest. So I've been thinking about this, and the question I'd like to ask you is, if you could go back now and meet yourself as you were about to start your... Um, maybe after you'd finished your degree, or before, yeah. whichever, you, whichever way you want to answer... What advice would you give yourself to get to where you are today to maybe make it easier or to give yourself the right kind of focus? What would, advice would you give your younger self, I suppose? Uh, you know, I don't think I'll, I think I'd just say, do what you do. Mainly because I wouldn't want to, I'm quite into sci-fi, so I would think if I, if I said do this, <laughs> it would change too much. <laughs> and I wouldn't have, and my kid, you know, my kids might not be born, so I'd just be like, I'm quite happy that I think there's not many. What about if you had more kids? Oh yeah, that'd be a disaster. <laughs> two is enough. Two is enough. <laughs> two is enough. Just, yeah, three women in our house now. My wife and two girls. I'm already out. I'm already outgunned. But yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll just say you know what? I don't think I'd say anything. I think I'd just be thinking you know I've, I've made mistakes like everybody else has. Mm. But um, so those mistakes maybe help shape you then. Exactly. I think that's. A, I think yeah, that's yeah. with anyone. I think you know the only way to to actually make anything of yourself is to fail. Mm. no one ever does anything good just from succeeding the whole time because you never know what you shouldn't have done mm. you know, I don't think anyone in any of their careers would have ever said yeah I've just never ever made a mistake so I think that person would just be doing nothing yeah. if, you know, if, 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 that person made, if that person made a mistake never made a mistake they'd just be they wouldn't know what to change you know, the only way to know how to improve I heard a great phrase um, which matches that and it, I, I was doing a um, a course in prison delivering some business startup program to some yeah. prisoners and this one guy said to me he said the seed of the opportunity lies in the problem mm. and I thought really insightful and helpful Harmi it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you very much thank you very much thanks a lot cheers <laughs>